Hello and welcome to another episode of Can't Stop the Growth. I'm your host, Chad Peterman, and today we have a very special guest on the podcast to talk all things leadership from the West Coast. Uh, however, in doing my research, I did find out that their office is on Indiana Avenue. Uh, as I saw that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but uh, without further ado, uh, would like to welcome the president of Mainstream Electric Heating, Cooling and Plumbing, Elaine Damshin. Welcome to the podcast, Elaine. Thank you so much, Chad. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Excited to have you on here, uh, fellow Nexstar member and, uh, and someone who is definitely out front uh, as it relates to, uh, to all things best practices. And uh, yeah, really just excited to, uh, to chat with you. If you want, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about um, kind of your company, what you're doing, different things of that nature, uh, where you are, uh, all, of the, uh, all of the essentials, and then we'll jump into it. Okay, sounds great. Um, so mainstream electric heating, cooling, and plumbing is a 21 year old company. My husband and I, Todd started it from scratch. And when we originally started the business, we were in the electrical field only. And that was the case for 15 years. And then six years ago, we added HVAC and five years, we added plumbing and now um, HVAC and plumbing are neck and neck for revenue and um, electrical is actually ironically our smallest department. Um, got our start in a little industrial park, um, kind of tucked away and hidden in uh, Post Falls, Idaho. And a piece of property came available along the interstate in Spokane Valley. So uh, we moved over to the Washington side about 18 months ago. And it gave us the space to, it's quadrupled the space, and it gave us the space to um, have some incredible growth over the last 18 months. Awesome. Yeah, I was uh, doing my research and I was like, this says they're in Washington. I could have swore for the life of me they were in Idaho. But mm -hmm. as I looked at the map, it's very close to, yeah. to Idaho, if you're if you're familiar with your uh, West Coast uh, geography. Well, so I want to I want to bring this up uh, as you as you tell us your origin story, simply because we have something in common um, that uh, I want you to elaborate on a little bit. Tell us uh, Tell us how uh, Todd, your husband, um, broke the news to you that he was going to get into uh, the electrical field. <laughs> what were you doing at the, what were you maybe doing at the time or what were you involved in? And then I'll tell you why that's, why that's so ironic uh, that that's, that's, that's your origin story. Okay. Well, um, so to back up a little bit before that, so Todd was in the Idaho Air National Guard and um, he worked on the Wild Weasel fighter jet, uh, troubleshooting the radar system for the F-4s. And um, he decided he was going to become an electrician. And I believe why this is significant is because that particular year, two things happened. Number one, I had birthed our identical twin baby boys. And I was also a, sc a school teacher back then. I taught middle school. And... I taught half time. I made $10,000 on my contract that year for teaching a couple, a few periods. And Todd came home and I, he just said, I am going to become an electrician. I'm leaving my full-time job with the guard, which was really well-paying. And he says, I'm going to become an ele apprentice electrician for $6 an hour. And of course I wanted to freak out, but he said, I really need you to trust me on this because 
we, I'm thinking about our future in the long term. Yeah, what uh, I think if, if the biggest thing for me uh, there is is just the the power of the support uh, in a marriage and how uh, awesome that is that uh, uh, you guys supported each other through that. And, and the reason I say that it's ironic is because um, my dad didn't enter the trade um, during uh, the same year that uh, my mom gave birth to me, but. Uh, he did say that he was starting his own company uh, in the uh, three months before my mom gave birth to me. So I always, uh, I always joke, um, you know, I don't know how that conversation went. And after being married for almost five years, I don't know that I'd ever want to have it. Um, but, uh, but they're still happily married today. So everything worked out. But uh, just an amazing story, uh, especially with the, with the success that you guys are, uh, are experiencing out there um, as well. Obviously, a big part of your success um, probably has to come with with growing your own people, uh, and I know that um, uh, that's a big focus, uh, probably for you guys and and some of the stuff that I see you posting about and and as it relates to leadership. And one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on here is to kind of pick your brain about your thoughts on that. So. As it relates to uh, your company, what, what are some of the things that you guys are doing to kind of grow your people? I noticed that it said on your uh, on your website that we'll train anybody. Um, and uh, what, what are you guys doing as, as it relates to training, both technical and, and from a leadership perspective? I'll start with technical. Um, you know, after a lot of years of, well, I'm going to say we have both. We hire folks with experience, and we're also looking to grow our own, our own people. And so um, we, our best success actually really comes from asking other staff members to, who do you know out in, in the trades who wants to either get into the trade or who's already licensed, who wants to come over to a great company? That's really where we got our big, biggest traction this particular year. But as far as growth, um, I mean, we have this philosophy that we can teach technical, which we do. Um, a lot of what we work on here is personal growth and personal development, um, because ultimately it's the mirror that we're holding up and um, it's us, our own selves who creates the results. And without personal growth, there won't be professional growth if that makes sense. And it's super high level and vague. Um, and so how do we accomplish that? I mean, it's lots of one-on-one -on -one conversations. It's a lot of focus on human connection. And, um, and then when I, we have a really awesome operations manager, Kelly and um, plumbing manager, David, who does a lot of the one-on-ones and building career paths and talking about um, where do folks see themselves in the future? So I guess that's a dual answer. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. And one of the things I want you to elaborate on, because I think this is often missed and, and I can, uh, you know, I can definitely say that we missed it for a long time until probably probably a couple of years ago when we really put a focus on the one-on-one -on -one meetings. Um, I, I'm a big believer and I always say there isn't a whole lot of, there isn't a whole lot outside of process and procedure that gets covered in a, a Monday morning service meeting, um, but where we do really, where the rubber meets the road is in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, kind of the importance you guys place on the one-on-ones? You mentioned career paths as maybe something you tackle. What are the other things that you're tackling in those in those one-on-one -on -one conversations? 
Well, you know, again, I keep using the words human connect, heart and human connection. Um, I just don't believe in our company that anything can happen without that um, basis, first and foremost, because it's a, a place where trust is built and also a place where we can be vulnerable with each other um, to actually share what's, what's happening in our lives. And so that's, I would say it's talking about personal things first and foremost, and then leading into career paths. And I think one thing that we continue to learn here is it's really important. We, we have to give our people options. Um, just like we say with our clients out in the field, let's give them four to six options. We might not have that many options, but I think it's important for our staff to choose their career path. Um, some, and I'll talk, talk about some of the mistakes we make here is sometimes we'll identify or maybe see potential in someone and we think that that's the path that they want. And so we'll just move them in the position. And even though during the one-on-one, -on -one, we ask them, hey, you know, do you want to be the client resolution person? And they're like, yep, it's perfect for me. But then when we move them without posting the job, having them actually choose and go through the action, then they end up leaving sooner. So it's a little bit uh, also a dual, a dual answer. Here's what, we're, what we want to do better. And then here's what we've done in the past um, that hasn't really worked. Yeah, so, I, I think, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with, with giving people options. Um, you know, you may hire them in for one role. The big running joke here at, uh, at our company is that accounting is full of uh, what they term themselves the call center rejects. Uh, because I think that there's like three or four people that started in the call center and found out that, I don't know if this is for me, but accounting looks fun. And what they've turned out to be is just, you know, awesome, awesome employees in the call or in accounting. Um, but we hired them for call center and we would have never known that had we not kind of sat down with them and understood, okay, well, they don't want to be a call center manager. They want to maybe even work somewhere different. And I think that comes with what you said at the beginning is, is really hiring for character. Um, and when you find someone with character, you may get them in somewhere, um, but really just having them on your team is the most important part. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other part to having these conversations is what I've been really sensitive to lately is that. First, starting with me, of course, um, that we listen to our people to understand and not listen to be understood and like defend our position on why we think something should happen. And we, we make those mistakes still today. Um, I make those mistakes and um, that just kind of seems to be my intuitive nudge the past couple of weeks is really listen to understand. Don't listen to respond to be understood. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, a lot you mentioned a couple of times in here, which I think is is um, definitely indicative of uh, you know the the type of leader that you are. But you've mentioned a lot when we think of leadership. We you know I think it's oftentimes thought of as telling people what to do and 
you know, giving out directives and orders and, you know, process procedure, but you've talked a lot about kind of looking internally, you know, just your last comment about listening to understand um, and, uh, you know, really looking internally to understand if we care about that person, making that human and heart connection. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that and kind of the importance that you guys place on that um, at, uh, at Mainstream. Sure, I would love to. And this comes from um, something that happened in the past and which led me and us to where we are today is um, about three years ago, uh, we had a really strong electrical department, um, high average ticket. They'd been with mainstream between five and nine years. And uh, we had uh, like six out of the eight exit within a week. So thank goodness for Nexstar and that if you imagine business like a Parthenon and we have those pillars, thank goodness that we had HVAC and plumbing to hold us up while the electrical had gone down. And I mean, it was a painful experience and it took a couple years to process. And when things like that happen, all we have to do is hold up the mirror. I could have, we could have had our fingers pointed and said, well, you know, they did this or they didn't do that. And um, I just have learned over the years that absolutely, if I own everything and I'm responsible for everything, I have to have a part in what happened. And after a couple years of reflecting, you know, we talk about character and we talk about integrity. So integrity, as we learn in Nexstar, is when our thoughts match our words, match, match our actions. And I think in business, we talk about integrity and we're looking for people who aren't going to steal from us or outright steal from the clients and those sorts of things. But what I learned was integrity is even something as small as our thoughts. And what I identified in myself is that, uh, yes, these folks were bringing in a lot of revenue, but I didn't exercise my voice in speaking up and that I had a lack of integrity because I was pretending that I actually liked this group of people together. They had their own subculture going on and I didn't speak up. So I was, I was thinking something different, like I don't really like this group of people but I was acting different to their face. So even something as small as not having my, my thoughts match my words and my actions, even though I felt like, oh, they don't really know. I mean, thoughts are energy and I really had to own that. And so my lesson moving forward, going internally, is it always starts with me and in everything that start, everything that happens, I have to, I have to go inward and say, how have I contributed to this in some way? That's a fantastic point. Uh, and, and definitely wrote down integrity is as small as our thoughts. And I, I think that as any leader, it's, it's oftentimes, you know, uh, extremely easy to point the finger. Um, but it's when we take ownership of what's happening, even though it may not be our fault, you know, it, could you have, prevented those, you know, technicians from leaving or creating their own subculture? No, but you probably could have done things or as you reflect back on it, probably could have done things in the way of uncovering that faster or, you know, there, there's all kinds of things. And, but I think that as a, as a true leader, you have to be willing to look internally. And as you said, uh, is hold up the mirror and what have I done to contribute 
um, and where can I contribute in a, uh, you know, in a positive light moving forward, yeah. um, I think is, is something extremely important. And also the belief, that, I mean, a couple more things to that point is that um, assuming positive intent is, I guess, another form of integrity. I mean, I could assume negative intent behind closed doors, but then come out with a smiling face and that's a lack of integrity. And so now to really um, challenge my own thoughts and say, hey, I'm just gonna assume positive intent. And, and even today we had a, a salesperson come in completely unexpected and you know has left me a little bit reeling. And as I hold up the mirror, I can say today, three years later, after the other big event, that I know that I've absolutely done everything that I can and that that's an option that they chose. And it's a much better place to be as a leader because now I can just move forward and um, keep going and not have the emotion attached to it. Yeah. Uh, Which can be debilitating. Oh, absolutely. And the one thing I thought of when you were saying that um, that, that I think relates really nicely is that, you know, true empowerment comes through ownership. And if you are, and, and we hear it all the time in our industry of can't find people, you know, held hostage by the plumber who's the rock star and, you know, the HVAC technician, but, you know, taking your strategy of really looking in the mirror and saying, what can I do to affect this outcome? Or what can I do to create a positive result? At the end of the day, if things don't work out, well, they weren't meant to work out. But if you're taking a negative uh, spin on to uh, the situation, then, you know, it, you may be to blame for, for some of the negative things that happen. Definitely. And then the second thing I was going to say, one action, as long as I'm in town and I'm here, like I work really hard to be at the office sometime between seven and seven 30 when all the guys are back in, like, I'm still pretty hands-on with the technicians and not like loading up the van or anything like that, but it's the school teacher in me. Like, how do I make eye contact with every single staff member every single day and ask them how they're doing, how their wives are doing, children are doing. Um, and that gives me peace and knowing that I'm, no matter how big we get, I want to know who's who's on our staff. But also what has happened is I've as I've committed myself to that is even though I do own the business, like I feel like now I work for them. Like I have to be at work, not because they expect me to, but because visible to me in my company, visible leadership is super important. Yeah, I, I would uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I take a, a very similar approach. Um, you know, one of our one of our five core values is lead ourselves. Uh, and uh, you mentioned at the very outset of uh, you know um, you know looking looking internally um, and and who who are you going to become uh, to to lead your people? And so, yeah, that visible leadership I think is. It, incredibly important, especially in our industry where there's a disconnect between the office and the field. Uh, and I think that there are, to me, that's, that's always been a quote unquote, you could look at it as an obstacle, or we could look at it as a, well, shoot, it's a lot easier to, you know, want to show visible leadership because they can't see me. So when can they see me? Let me be here for them, um, yeah. which I think is important. 
uh, as it relates to that, how do you, how do you, you mentioned a few things um, about, uh, you know, showing that visible leadership. I, I want to dive into simply because I get asked this question a lot. Um, and so obviously working with family uh, presents its, its, its definite uh, fair share of challenges. Um, but what, uh, what, what do you attribute to, and I watched your video, and so I kind of have a little bit of background uh, on that, which I think is super cool, and I'm definitely going to steal that idea. Uh, Jared, pay attention. Look at it on their website. Check it out. Um, but um, uh, but what, what do you guys attribute to you know, being able to work together successfully and, uh, and, and making that uh, such a success there? You know, there's always that pre-story and, um, and truly going back, my dad was a contractor. I saw, saw how hard he worked and I was like, I'm never going to marry a contractor. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and here I am. So to Todd's defense, he would say, well, I didn't become a contractor until after we got married. But, um, you know, I really came on board kicking and screaming um, I was pretty resistant. I was probably in the way of our business growth. And so I'm always, you know, measuring that and examining myself about that. But what really got us on the same page, like in a really good place was about six years ago, Todd was like, I, I cannot do with this resistance anymore. And he bought us two tickets to Tony Robbins Business Mastery One flew us to West Palm Beach and said, this, this just has to work. And um, it was and has been life-changing. And we have been followers of Tony Robbins and attended many, many of his live events because he teaches us to ex examine and explore internally in ourselves and how we directly um, create results in our own world. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it very, uh, I'm not, I've never been to it. I want to go sometime, uh, but haven't had the uh, fortune of going. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in the video uh, that I wanted you to talk a little bit more about, and I'm sure this along with Tony Robbins probably plays, uh, if you probably read some of the same books here, but you know, you, you called yourself the integrator while, while Todd was the visionary. Tell us a little bit more about that relationship and, and how that works uh, in those particular roles. Um. <laughs> I'm, I am laughing out loud a little bit because um, I did, I've done that role out of necessity. Mm -hmm. And so um, the other thing that really has impacted us is the book traction, right? Yep. And, and the understanding that it takes two people plus your village to really make it work. And so Todd has really been the visionary and Back in the day, up until 18 months ago, I have been the integrator. And so it's just picking up the pieces and being that safety net. And I do believe that the devil is in the details. And so really paying attention to the details and spending, being really mindful of that. Now that I have an operations manager and she kills it a thousand times better than I do. So I really laugh because she's the true integrator now. And, um, I also act as a visionary in that. Awesome. That's great. But to respect each other's, what each other's strengths are and um, it, it not to put each other down for what we can or can't do in a role in life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Would you, so you said you played the role of integrator out of necessity. Do you consider yourself more of a visionary or an integrator naturally? 
naturally, as I've discovered, so two things, um, I'm actually a higher level visionary than Todd. I mean, I work on board of directors and, um, you know, really involved in the community and those types of relationships. That really is the seat that I belong in and I'm, that I'm the happiest in. But up until that point, um, you know how we do the color code in Nexstar. Um, I actually had taken the test and shown up as a red, but really have, haven't been that happy in that role. And about 18 months ago at a Nexstar event, something I had myself ask myself, hey, how come I have um, emotional intensity when I come to work? And to have the realization that the other five times I've taken color code, I actually turned up as a white. Um, and, and to have the aha moment that I'd been pretending to be a red so I could keep up with Todd. So it's only been about 18 months where I've really settled into my true nature and what my strength is in, my, in, in our company. Yeah. And I think that the, your point there is it, it hits me kind of square within the eyes because I've been on kind of a similar um, path as, as kind of discovering myself and, and where that true role is. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's only natural as, as you're smaller, it, you do everything, you know, you got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you're, you know, you're integrating, you're visionary, you're doing it all. Um, and I think the one thing that I've discovered and would like to hear your thoughts on this, but when you discover what your true role is, uh, and, and you unlock so much growth potential in the company. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen that? Uh, oh my gosh, a hundred percent. I mean, we have this true integrator who I, she is a total rock star. And, um, I mean, last year we had a 67% growth in revenue growth in our company. And this year, assuming we hit our targets, we'll have another 78% growth in our company. And I mean, it's exactly as demonstrated as what we've discussed. Once we go internal and unlock that potential within ourselves, it shows up on the, in the world and in our business. Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed the same thing. It's, it's almost, there's no, for visionaries, and I don't mean to speak for uh, a fellow visionary uh, like yourself, but there's no better feeling than finding a really good integrator that can take all of that stuff off your plate. Like, just let you, it's like setting you free. Like, okay, perfect. I'm just going to come up with ideas and help in that respect. And because what I found myself doing as an integrator is like a, I don't even know what you, like imitator integrator. I don't even know if that's the term, but we're going to use it imitator integrator is like, I did more harm than good uh, because I never finished follow through with anything. Yeah, I, I can follow through on things, but it, I suffer from analysis paralysis and it just takes me a really long time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, for all leaders, I think that especially as you start and then you see, you know, that growth and you start to hit it is, is understanding who you are as a person and whoever you are is perfectly fine. But, you know, I even went to the length of this year at the start of this year, I just shared this with my team is that I wrote my own job description. Like I wrote, okay, this is the stuff that I'm going to focus on and anything else that is outside of my lane, I'm going to defer to whoever's in charge of that. And it's been, and I actually went to those people and said, here's the deal. This is what I'm focusing on. You're in charge of this. 
you run with it like tomorrow. If you need my opinion, glad to give it, but I'm not going to give an uns I'm not going to give any unsolicited advice. Yep. And uh, you know, I, I think you, as you grow, you kind of form those lanes, but it's also easy as you grow to continue to cross over those lanes, which just creates utter chaos. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, what, uh, what do you see yourself? Uh, what are kind of, obviously you guys are experiencing some phenomenal uh, growth there. What, uh, what do you see as those things on the horizon that you're, that give you maybe a little bit of anxiety? Like, okay, I need to, I'm going to have to definitely get in front of this and, and, and things of that nature. Cause uh, you know, growth like that can definitely uh, present its fair share of challenges. You're moving fast. Uh, what do you see on the horizon that are things that you're, you're wanting to get ahead of? Um, I think first and foremost, what I want to get ahead of is to, I can be really caught up in my head that yes, I do work for my staff and, but also to stay out in front and lead. and what that to me means is visible leadership, but also controlling the narrative and and what I mean by that is, I don't think people are having um, narrative that's negative. I believe that as we grow, it's super important for us to over communicate the direction that we're going in. So, because if we're not having those conversations and not sharing what's going on uh, within our executive team or our leadership team, that it's easy for people to make up their own narrative if we're not providing it. Um, and how to do that in the most effective way that, and staying out in front, that gives me a little bit of anxiety. Um, recruitment, I mean, the number of calls that we turn away, um, that, that, you know, makes me nervous. And um, yeah, it's just growth is an uncomfortable experience. And, but also finally, personally, how do I, how do I, in a sense, get comfortable with being uncomfortable? if that makes, so that we can still move forward and not be paralyzed. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the one thing that that, uh, that definitely all three of those things are, are things that um, I'm sure all leaders have, have felt or went through or are currently going through. Um, one of the things that's, that's really helped us as, as we have um, uh, grown and stuff is 100% agree with you is over communicate, you know, as, as leaders, as owners, you often have this grand plan, especially as a visionary, got this grand plan bouncing around in your head, and it, everything makes sense to you. Uh, like, oh, yeah, duh, we're doing this, like, it's fine, don't worry about it. Um, but yet, no one on the outside knows what you're thinking. And so, uh, my brother and I uh, read this book in 2016, uh, called um, Double Double, uh, where we crafted our vivid vision, if you will. And so since 16, uh, yeah, we've, I think this will be number five that we write, but or rewrite, I guess I should say. But we basically crafted, it's a 15-page document that basically says, here's where we expect the company to be in three years. And so as a leader and as it relates to communication and, and being out front and leading uh, as well as working for your people, I think it's it's extremely important to show them where you're heading, what opportunities lie ahead, um, so that they know that growth is a good thing because it's going to get us to where we want to be, not 
more headaches, more issues, more this, more that, um, where you said, you know, they may be making up their own, they have to make up some sort of narrative if you don't give them one to believe in. Yep. What, um, what are you guys doing on the, uh, you mentioned recruitment as well. I think that's a hot topic uh, for, for everybody um, really in the trades. And, and as I talk to even more businesses outside of the trades, really everywhere, just finding people, everybody's got either pent up demand or, you know, whatever it may be due to COVID and, you know, other circumstances, what are you guys doing out there to get out uh, in front of that, uh, that recruitment piece? Um, so a couple things, one again is going to our staff and, um, keeping the narrative in front of them that we are, I'm, I think the best candidates come to us when they're referred. And so we do have that for a journeyman technician, we pay them $500 um, a quarter per person that they bring for 10 quarters. So they end up with $5,000 as long as both are still there. So we have that out. That's been really successful in our, especially on our plumbing side and our electrical side. Um, we put that out and then we just have invested in a full-time recruiter. Um, and so we just have somebody just pounding the pavement, um, you know, eight hours a day and we're just working to, you know, turn over every rock and stone to, to bring people in. Yeah, absolutely. The, both those things are phenomenal things. Um, the recruiter, I think is a piece that most miss. Um, they always, I even missed it. What like we didn't add a recruiter until last year, and I now we have four. I'm like, how oh, in God's name did we <laughs> ever survive without one, much less the rest of them? And I'm like, that is the key. to me that is one of the keys. And people are like, well, what do you? How do you pay them? This that, and the, I go, it doesn't matter. Just get them on your team. Let them feel the anxiety of the service manager and the owners and the call center people of not having enough people and they'll go find you people. Yep. And I think with that too, right. Um, we are, we strive to be the, have the best paid people in the area from call taking to dispatch to warehouse to technicians with really healthy um, performance plans and as well as um, the employer of choice with great culture. Um, I just, in my mind every day, I visualize a magnet and that, and that we have, will have an ability to start attracting people. And I would say on some level, obviously with the growth that we've had, that that's been working, just got to yeah. keep doing it and expand on that. Absolutely. And to kind of tie two thoughts together that you've, you've brought up, uh, you know, and as it relates to culture, I think one thing that uh, many a people can do that you hear complain about they're not being good people out there is, as you've said a couple of times, it's time to look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. It's time to understand, would you be a place that someone would want to even come and work? You know, like there's good people out there uh, and we can find them. Um, but you also have to be a destination that people want to come or else, you know, it's like, yeah, no, no one would ever want to work for you. Um, but, uh, you know, what are you, those things that you're doing, um, that, uh, that are attracting people, um, and, and just 
really, really cool stuff. Um, I, I think a lot of a lot of people can can definitely learn um, from uh, from some of the things that, that you've talked about as it relates to recruiting, because um, we're all looking for good people to build that build that culture. And we're still not perfect, but we're striving to be better every day. So. Exactly. And uh, I think that's one of the things you got to continually remind yourself of is there's things that'll fall through the cracks, there's tough times, but as long as you are pointed in the right direction, wanting to make an impact, um, you're going to fall on the good side of things uh, more times than not, for sure. Well, Elaine, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you. I've got, uh, got uh, as usual on these things, I've got a full page of, uh, of notes. Uh, I mentioned on air that we are going to steal the video idea from you, um, which is a fantastic idea. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and uh, I guess as it relates to leadership, what, what's one thing that, uh, that you'd like to leave the, uh, the listeners with as, as something to think about or something that you know, you've discovered here recently that's, that's really helped you out? Good question. What comes to mind is the question, uh, a question that I live by. Uh, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Uh, personally. And that is a question that I keep in front of me. And oh gosh, I probably first heard that question when I was 30. So it was over 20 years ago. And um, so not just with like travel or whatever, but different things in a day or any way to uh, put myself in situations where I'm uncomfortable so I can, uh, I don't want to say force the growth, but be intentional about my growth. Um, that would, that's the first thing. And then professionally, I mean, heart and human connection. Um, I've spent a lot of years in my leadership roles feeling bad that that was my focus and that maybe wishing I was someone else who was such a driver or more numbers focused, I can do that too. Um, but really to, to come to the realization that um, I really am blessed with the strength and people in processes first. I listened to your podcast with John Conway and I wholeheartedly that believe in that. People in, people in processes first and profit comes next. 100%. Thank you for that. That's, uh, uh, I've, I've uh, written that down. Um, and it's probably something good for me. My wife says that I'm fairly boring. Uh, so that may be some good advice for me to take up. Um, but uh, I enjoy it. Um, but uh, no, I think you, you've really pointed out some some really great things that I think all leaders can can take and learn from. For me, my takeaway from from our conversation today was to hold up the mirror it was to understand what part you play in your own success, what part you have the ability to play in the success of others. And to me, when we pull up that mirror, we take a look and we understand what impact we're going to have on others by examining our own actions. Uh, I think it, that's where the true empowerment and the true effect can can be realized. Um, and so I'm so grateful that you shared that today um, for the uh, for the listeners. Um, and I'm so, so grateful you shared that with me. Um, we all can be reminded, um, probably on a daily basis, of how our actions affect those around us. Excited, uh, again, that you took a little bit of time to, uh, to, to, sh to share 
um, your perspective on leadership with us. Um, that is all that we have for this episode. As always, keep growing out there. Go help somebody, show them that you care, and the world will become a better place. Thanks again, Elaine. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thank you.